Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I'm looking forward to doing some Christmas messages. I I thought about doing one today, but I figured I might want to save them for closer to Christmas. But uh, today I want to talk to you about a subject that I tell you it's so important. Everything in the Bible is important, of course. But you know, a lot. Of, there are so many people today that I think we're all, for the most part, we're all kind of trying to do the same things in a lot of areas. We're trying. We have some of the same goals and the same intentions. But unfortunately, it's our human nature to kind of go about getting them the wrong way. And in Matthew chapter 16, if you want to turn there, Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26. I want to read a passage to you, and Jesus tells us something that doesn't really seem to make sense. And really the way man's mind works and the way that we think being the sinful people that we are, this doesn't really make any sense. But you know, a wise person is not somebody that's able to understand all the complicated things. A wise person is somebody who really will just have faith and just trust that God knows more than they do. And that if Jesus said to do something, that it will probably work. 
And so I want to read this passage in verse 24 of Matthew 16. Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for My sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for Your Word. Dear Lord, I thank You so much that You've shown us how we can have the things that will really make a difference and that really matter. And I thank You I thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray it will help me to be able to get this message across. And Lord, I pray that it will be a help and a blessing to each one here, Lord. And I pray that You'll just use it for Your honor and glory. In Your name we pray. Amen. Right here we see Jesus. He said, Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Now when He says saving his life there. He's not talking about like a life-saving thing where you try to save your life or somebody saves your life. No, that word save there, it's like when we save money. Alright, when we go and we'll, you'll put money in the bank and you want to save it. You're trying to, uh, you've got something planned. Maybe you're saving up for a car or a house or whatever. And a lot of people today are trying to save their life for something that they have planned. Many people today, they will not get saved and they will not serve God because they're afraid of losing different things in their life. There's a lot of different things that we're going to go over some of those. I'm not going to stand here today and I'm not going to tell you that if you do the will of God that you're going to be able to keep everything. God, There may be some things you need to sacrifice. There may be some things that God wants you to give up. So I'm not going to tell you that. But what I am going to tell you is that if you want any hope of saving anything that matters and anything that's of real importance, then you're going to have to let them go. And that's what that doesn't make sense. Wait, you're telling me if I want to save something, I have to let it go? I, now, I'm not like... For example, I'm not now. I use the example of money, saving money. I'm not telling you if you want to save your money, get rid of it. I'm not necessarily saying that. Although I do believe the verse in the Bible says, "Given it shall be given unto you." Okay, but there's also a lot of verses in the Bible that support saving your money. I think I think it's a good thing to do. But I'm talking about your life today. That's what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about saving their life. Now, when he's talking about saving their life too, remember, he's not just talking about staying alive. That's not what he's talking about. He, what is it about, uh, what does he mean by your life? Well, really, what is your life? Some people, their life, it's their family. And that's okay. I'm telling you, that's a huge part of my life is my family. Without my family, my life would not be as good as it is, it would not be complete. Some people, and maybe their church. That church is a big part of their life. And that's good. Maybe it's your job. Maybe there's all kinds of things that really, that's what the person's life is all about. Some people, their life is all about money. How much money they can make. What they can do, uh, what they can accomplish, achievements, whatever it is. To some people, that's their life. And Jesus, that's what He's talking about. And He said, if you want to save your life, you need to lose it. So for whosoever will save his life 
will lose it. The person that actually succeeds in saving their life is the one who lets it go. And that doesn't make sense. That just doesn't seem to make sense in our minds. But hopefully after we talk about some things and I show you some Scriptures, you'll understand that Jesus, of course, did know exactly what He was talking about. And this is very, very true. He says in that, at the end of that, the last verse we read, what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So many people are going after all these other things. Some of them good, some of them bad. But their life is all about those things and they neglect their soul. And if you lose your soul, there's nothing you can have in this life that's worth losing your soul over. Absolutely nothing. Your soul is eternal. It's of great value. So what are some of the things that some many times we get out of the will of God, we disobey God trying to save? And one of those, I believe, is our family. Now listen, I wouldn't think you were worth a nickel if you didn't care about your family. I wouldn't think you were worth a nickel if you didn't love your family and want to do whatever you could for them and if they weren't a big part of your life. But many times, in our own way, we try to save our families really for ourselves. Remember, when we talk about saving, we're saving for our, we're saving for ourselves. It's like we put it in the bank, we're kind of we've got it there on a shelf. It's there in the cookie jar wherever waiting for whatever we want it for. And many times people do that with their families. And there's a man in the Bible in Acts chapter 16. You can turn over there if you like. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. I want to read these verses to you about this man. But this guy, he was a jailer. Now, if... A little background on the story. Paul and Silas, they were out doing what God wanted them to do. They were preaching the Gospel. And these the people in town, they got mad about it. They led somebody to the Lord that they made great profit off of. And so they went and they beat these guys. They beat them. They put them in a jail. They're chained to the wall. And they have a jailer who's supposed to watch them. Now back in those days, if you were a jailer and you were in charge of watching somebody and keeping them in prison... If you let them get out of prison, many time, most of the time, you would serve their sentence. If they were supposed to be in there for life, you would be in there for life. If they were supposed to be put to death and you let them get away, you would be put to death. And this man, in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, we'll read it, but Paul and Silas, they were in the jail and they were singing. They were singing while they are in jail. Now that's another story just about the peace that God gives and even in difficult times, God will give you comfort. We can always have something to sing about. But they're in there singing. And when it did, I don't know, God was just so impressed. God wanted, I mean, God decides to free them. And an earthquake comes. And the chains fall off. The doors are opened up. And they have a chance to go free. But they don't, they don't go free. They stay, they stay behind. And let's go back to verse, uh, we'll start reading in verse 30 of Acts chapter 16. But uh, it says there that the, the jailer, when he goes and he looks and he sees the prisoners are gone, he goes to kill himself. Because he'd rather kill himself than to maybe be executed however they would or to be in prison for the rest of his life. Let's start in verse 28. It says, And Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. So right here, Paul basically is giving himself up. That jailer, all he has to do is just lock him back up. Actually, if he'd have wanted to, he could have made it easier. He could have killed him right there on the spot and say, hey, something happened. There was an earthquake. The doors were open. He could have killed them. He'd have been a hero. He could have done that. 
But this jailer, he knew better. He knew that something supernatural was going on. And Paul said, don't do thyself any harm, we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. He falls down before these guys and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This guy, he didn't, he didn't, I don't, I don't know how he knew. Maybe he heard these guys preaching. Maybe they preached to him when, uh, he was in the jail. But he knew that something was going on here and he asked me, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He wanted what Paul and Silas had. And they said in verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So not only are you going to get saved, but your whole house is going to get saved. And then you go on you read the story and sure enough, they go and He takes them home and He takes care of their wounds and Paul and Silas, they preach to His family and they all get saved. Now I don't know if you realize this, but when He let those guys go, He was putting a death sentence on Him and His family. That was a death sentence. He was he was he he voluntarily let them go. Now we don't know what happened to this jailer after this after this event. The Bible doesn't say. We know he got saved. We know his family got saved. If that happened and it did, they're in heaven today. They've been in heaven now for nearly two thousand years, and they're going to be in heaven for all eternity together. Now I don't know. It could have happened, but I I, I wonder if the guards ever caught up with him with that jailer. And if they ever went and maybe put them to death for letting Paul and Silas go. I don't know. There was a lot of Christians that got, that uh, were being persecuted during this time and got killed. And I can imagine there's no way that jailer could have went back to his old job because they'd have been asking, where's those prisoners? We don't know what happened to this guy. It's very possible they could have been put to death. I don't know that. God may have protected them. I, don't, I, I really don't know. It really doesn't matter. But this man, I don't know if you realize it, when he let Paul and Silas go, when they got saved, he literally was giving up his life and his family. He was letting it go. He was basically, in that case, putting it in the hands of God and saying, Lord, this is going to get me killed. But Lord, I'd rather die today saved than live the rest of my life with my family and with everything this life has to offer and to spend eternity in hell. And even if that guy did get saved, I'm here to tell you today, he made the right choice. Because while his life might have only lasted another 30 or 40 years, maybe 50, if he'd have went to hell, it wouldn't have been worth it. And this man, he literally, in a sense, gave up his family, but you know what? He still has them today. His family got saved that day. They're still in heaven today. We don't, and so, but we, we have no idea sometimes the things that we're trying to hang on to. If he said, you know what, I want to hang on to my family. I want to hang on to them. Do you think that Paul and Silas still couldn't have gotten away? After God had just done all this to free them, God could have still freed those guys without that jailer. I believe if he, if he would have just tried to save his life and tried to keep them in prison, God probably would have taken him out. But he didn't do that. He gave up his life. He literally, in a sense, tried. To, he laid his life down. He laid his family's lives down. But in doing that, he saved them. And so many times people are so worried about keeping their family together or keeping their family happy that they do things that they shouldn't do. And it's gonna, and it usually leads even on this earth to losing them anyway. 
You might as well just go ahead and do the right thing and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust God that He's going to keep my family, that God's going to protect my family. And if they get saved, you're going to have them for all eternity. Listen, I love my family. I love my kids. I hope I get to spend the holidays with them for the rest of my life. I hope they're always around. But you know what? If God calls my children someday to be a missionary to a foreign country, I'm not going to discourage that. Because I'd rather be them be in the will of God. I would rather lose my children, in a sense, to the will of God than to keep them in my own will and then who knows what could happen. There's many people that have done that. I mean, there's there's people today who they live next door to their kids maybe, but they don't really want to have anything to do with them. Just because you doing things your way usually leads to loss. And the Bible says that if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. We also do this many times with friendships. And Mark chapter 8, we're not going to take time to read it, but Jesus has just told His disciples about how He was going to be crucified, how He was going to die. They didn't realize this at this point. And when, they, when Jesus told them about that, Peter got angry. Peter got mad. And in Mark 8, it says that Peter rebuked Jesus. He rebukes Jesus and says, Lord, I don't want that to happen. Listen, Peter loved Jesus. Peter was a close friend of Jesus. If When Jesus said He was going to die, Peter, of course, was like, hey, I don't want that. Lord, I want You with me. We've been following You all these years. He didn't want to see Him go. I think that's understandable. But let me tell you, it wasn't the will of God. It was God's will for Jesus to go to the cross. It was God's will for Jesus to die. And then Peter rebukes Jesus. And then, after that, Jesus rebukes Peter. He tells him, he says, you're not thinking about the things that are of God. You're thinking about the things of men. Things like friendships. And friendships are good. Friendships are important. But let me, let me, I hope you'll understand this. Your friends all have a will for your life. I don't know if you realize that. Your friends have a will for your life. And that will doesn't always line up with God's will. Your friends, it may be God's will for you to move to another state. Your friends, it's their will that you stay by them forever. But listen, what's more important? God's will is more important. Your friends, they're gonna, there's going to be things that they're going to want you to do that maybe God doesn't want you to do. And many times, so people will not lose their friends, they'll make compromises. They'll make bad decisions. That happens to young people a lot. They have friends at school. And they don't want to lose those friends. And the friends try to tempt them into doing something they shouldn't do. It's called peer pressure. And let me tell you, that doesn't go away when you're an adult. That's why it's important to learn how to deal with it when you're young. It's always around. But those friends try to get them to do things and many times they'll do things they don't want to do thinking, I'm trying to save my friendship. And listen, it sounds noble, but if it's sometimes the best way to save a friend is to lose them. Sometimes the best way to save a friend might be to say, you know what? If you're going to be involved in that kind of stuff, I can't be your friend anymore. Maybe you have a friend, they have a drug problem, and they try to get you involved in those things. You might need to say to them, listen, if you're going to be doing that kind of thing, I can't be your friend. It's not that I don't care about you. I love you. But I can't sit by and support you doing this. This is going to destroy you. And you doing that, you may lose your friend. But if you stay their friend, you may lose them to the drugs. And you never know. If you trust God and you do right, maybe through you taking a stand, maybe they'll say, you know what? I don't want to lose you as a friend. Maybe they'll give it up. You know, a lot of times people never find out because they never take the stand. 
They think they're trying, they think they're helping, but instead they're hurting. And let me tell you, that's a tough thing to do. I've had to do that with friendships before. People I cared about, but I had to say, I'm sorry, I, I can't be a part of this. And you may, so many people in trying to save their friends, they lose them. Maybe you lose them to jail. Maybe you lose them to death. All because you were more concerned about the friendship than you were about the will of God. And that's what Peter was doing. Peter loved Jesus. Peter cared about Jesus. But Peter had a will for Jesus' life. And it didn't line up with the will of God. And thankfully, Jesus didn't follow what Peter said. Jesus did what God did. Even though we know that what God wanted Jesus to do wasn't even necessarily what Jesus wanted to do. You may remember when He made that prayer in the garden and said, Lord, let this cup pass from Me. But thankfully, He said, nevertheless, not My will, but Thine be done. Even Jesus, He did the will of God over His own will, over what He wanted to do. And we need to follow that example and do the same things. Another thing too that sometimes we try to save in our life is our careers. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18-20, through we see the calling of Peter and James. Jesus went to those guys and He said, follow Me. And it says straightway, they left their nets and followed Him. Peter and James, they were fishermen. That was their occupation. That was what they did for a living. That's how they that's how they made their money. That's how they provided for their families and how they survived. And when Jesus came to them and He said, follow Me, when it says they left their nets, it basically was saying they left their occupation behind. They left their means of support behind. They left those things behind to follow the will of God. And let me tell you, they did, they did the right thing. They literally, they forsook their life. But Peter and James, they are some of the greatest Christians that ever lived, did some great things for God. Something tells me that fishing for men was probably more fulfilling than fishing for fish. Let me tell you, I love fishing. I enjoy it. I've been, I'm, uh, there's a lot of places out here I'm anxious to try fishing. I like it. It's a lot of fun when you catch that big fish. In my dad's office back in the south, he's got he's got a uh, two stuffed fish on the wall, the uh, two big bass that we caught at the same time. I was this little kid when I caught it. It's thrilling when you catch a big fish. I I, I like fishing a lot. I'm all for it. I think it'd really be fun to do it for a living, get paid to do it. I do it for free. In fact, I pay money, you know, buying all the stuff. But it's it's fun. It's fun. I'm all for it. That's what these guys did. But let me tell you though, there's really something special about when you see somebody get saved. When you see somebody give their heart to Christ. And Jesus told them, He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know, there's a story in the Bible that the Bible doesn't always go into a lot of details on things, but I know the disciples had to have been thrilled. The Bible says they were out fishing. They'd been fishing all night and they weren't catching anything. And Jesus told him, He said, cast your net on the other side. And Peter, him being the expert fisherman that he was, said, Lord, we've been... We've been casting these nets all night. And we haven't caught anything. He basically said, Lord, the fish aren't biting tonight. But he said, nevertheless, that I will. And he did. And because Jesus told him to, he let the net down again on the other side. And they caught a great multitude of fish. So much, the nets began to break. So much, when they got it, when they were able to get them into the boats, the boat was starting to sink. That's how much fish that they caught. I imagine those guys, boy, they probably got back to lane and were telling everybody about it. You all have heard the fish stories and things. And that had to have been thrilling for them. But let me tell you, though, it wasn't long after that that there was an event that we're all still talking about today. 
And that was when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. He was preaching. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were saved. Peter caught 3,000 souls that day. And you know what? Something tells me that slaughtered that other fish story that he had. Something tells me that that was so much better. I can't even imagine. The next day, the Bible says that there was 5,000 that were saved. And the day after that, there was just a multitude. It didn't even say the number. I can't even imagine how thrilling that must have been. I guarantee you, Peter, he looked back and he said, you know what, that day that I lost my life, I lost my occupation, I left behind what I lived for and what I worked for, I guarantee he told you that was the best thing I ever could have done. That was the best day of my life when I did that because I've been... Now I've got a new path. I'm on a new path. God has given me a new mission. He's made me a fisher of men now. And what an exciting event that must have been. I can't even imagine. Listen, there's been a lot of things that I've got to enjoy doing in my life that God that God has allowed. Just thrilling moments. I'll tell you the day the, the our first service here. That was an exciting day for me. I'm telling you that day. I mean, I was so excited about preaching the first service here at a new church. I was so I can't even tell you. I remember it was we started at eleven o'clock and it was ten forty-five. And I remember it seemed like all of a sudden the cars just started rolling in and just seeing everybody come. And that's when I met some of you. That was an exciting day for me. That was exciting. It was worth it. We've seen people saved since then. I'm telling you, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. I'm telling you, while there were some things that I left behind, things that I love to care about, it was worth it. I'm here to tell you. I'm glad that I was willing. The Lord, the Lord gave me this message. It was right before I. This, he gave me this message actually right before He called me to start this church. I believe it was for me. He was trying to prepare my heart. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing that God will ever tell you to give up that He will not repay you back and way more. It will not be worth it. And I'm telling you that it is. It is worth giving these things up. The things that God has for you, they will be so much more fulfilling. So not, so we try a lot of times, we try to save our family, our friendships, our careers. And another one is our possessions. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, there was a rich young ruler, the Bible says, who came to Jesus and he wanted, he wanted to be saved. And this guy, he was a good guy. Boy, he, he followed the commandments. But you know what? There was, a, he, there was that great commandment we talked about a while back about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this rich young ruler, Jesus, He knew what was in His heart. This rich young ruler thought He had kept all the commandments, but Jesus knew that He cared about that money more than He cared about God. And so Jesus told him, He said, if you want to get saved, He said, I want you to take all your possessions and sell them and give the money to the poor and come follow me. Man, let me tell you, that invitation right there, while that must have sounded horrible to that guy, give up all my money and come follow you. I mean, this guy had great, Bible says he had great possessions. You know, the disciples, all the money they had, one guy carried it. Judas, he carried the bag. They didn't have a lot. And this guy, Jesus has told him to give it all up. It doesn't mean you have to give all your money away if you want to get saved. But Jesus knew that this man wasn't putting God, he wasn't putting God first. And he wanted to show him that. The Bible says that that rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful. He went, cause he had great possessions. He couldn't give it up. Imagine that guy right now. He's probably wishing he'd given it up. 
Think about it. Jesus asked him to follow him. He could have been one of the disciples. One of the, one of the twelve disciples. What an invitation that was. And he rejected it because those possessions. He said, I'd rather have these things. And let me tell you, I, I like things as much as anybody else. I'm a, I'm a typical guy. I got those expensive toys I like to play with and I like to go to the stores and look at. I've got to be careful about how much I go to Best Buy because I have trouble not coding when I go to that place. I'm just like anybody else. I like those things. But let me tell you, there is no possession. There is nothing in this world that is worth losing your soul over. There is no possession that is worth getting out of the will of God over. And people think that giving up possessions is a great sacrifice. But the truth is, that the riches of this world is only pavement in heaven. Think about it. The Bible says in heaven there are streets of gold. Streets of gold. Now, on our streets out here, we've got some nice roads and things, but we don't put the most precious substance that we have in our streets, do we? We try to put things that are cheap, that don't cost a lot, and things that we have a lot of because we've got a lot of roads. And think about it. If the roads in heaven are of gold... What must the rest of the place be like? And think to think that people... I know gold is worth a lot of money right now. Gold's booming. But let me tell you, it's sad to think that people are going to give up their soul over what's just going to be pavement for us in heaven. You all would think I was nuts if you saw me out here and I was out going on the side of the road and how someone gets chipped off and I'm collecting it and putting it in a bag. I'm like, I'm saving this stuff. Like, Why are you saving that? It's like, this stuff's important to me. This is my life. You'd say, what is wrong with you? You know, I think that's how God looks at us sometimes when we go after possessions and go after money more than we go after Him. And that's what this rich young ruler did. Don't make that mistake. But there is no possession that's worth losing your soul over. You know what? God may ask you to do some things that means giving up some possessions. But let me tell you, there's a whole lot more waiting in heaven. The things that the the most you could have on this earth when you get to heaven, it's going to seem like nothing. It's sad how much we covet after things that other people have, and how much will I mean will allow it to get us out of the will of God just because we want those things so bad. And when we get to heaven, we're going to realize those things were nothing. They were not important. They didn't matter. But people they they hang on to those things. And then number five, another thing that we try to save and end up losing a lot of times, is just our dreams. And that could be anything. I don't know. I've mentioned some things today. But everybody in here, we've probably got different things that we want. And a lot of times when we talk about the will of God and you read the Bible, we start thinking about all these things that we might lose. Maybe one is maybe it's for young people, the boy or girl that you want to marry. You might think, well, if I do the will of God, He's not going to want me to marry this person that's lost or living a wicked life. They're good looking. They're really good looking. I want them. But I know it's not the will of God. And they think, I don't want to follow the will of God. I'd rather have that boy or girl. Bad mistake. Bad mistake. A lot of times it might be an activity. You know, I, I like doing fun things. I've got hobbies and things I like to do. But you know what? Many times people think, well, you know what? If I start... Given to God, I'm not going to have as much money to do this thing for myself. If I start going to church, I'm going to start, you know, missing football games or things like that. But you know what? I'm telling you, it's it's not worth it. 
A lot of people, it may be just a position that they'd like to achieve, maybe in their job, maybe uh, maybe they want to go into politics or something. And I don't know if it's possible to go into politics and still be honest. And <laughs> and I think I think it'd be dumb. But a lot of times, people think they've got these plans for themselves, and they think if I follow the Word of God, if I do what God wants me to do, it's going to take me away from those things. And what we tell you, a lot of that is just the devil talking to you. That's the devil lying to you. Once again, that's what he does all the time. He lies and lies and lies. He tells you things that aren't true. But you know, the testimony that most sold-out Christians have is that God has given them more than they could ever dream. It's true. Most people will tell you, you talk to them at the end of their life and they God has done so much more than they ever expected. A lot of times, even with possessions and things. I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, I mean, I've just, I've been amazed in my own life what God's already done in my life. The house we lived at before we came here, man, we loved that house. It was a nice house. We thought we will never live in a house nicer than this one. There's no way. It's just, it's not going to happen. And the, the, the house that we're living in now, I think I like it better. I, it's just, God does those kind of things. A lot of times we think we're giving things up. And then God goes and He just blesses us more, and it's like, I didn't give up anything. I remember when I when I quit my job to go full time in the ministry. I remember I thought I was taking a pay cut, and I was. I, I took a pretty good pay cut, but you know what? The Lord started blessing, and it wasn't long. I had more than I had with the other job. When I, to this day, I still haven't made as much money as I did with that job in one year, but yet I have more today than I ever did. God just keep God keeps blessing. There's been so many times in my life I could tell you where I thought I was giving something up and I never really have. It's just it's just never happened with me. Maybe temporarily I did, but then God just he he pays back. That's what he does. He's a good God. And you know, these dreams that you have, these goals that you have in your life, many times these things are desires that God put in your heart. There are different things that you know that you talents that you have. That God, he, God gave you those talents. He wanted you to use those for His glory, but many times people take them and they want to use them for their own glory. Maybe, uh, you know, I mean, God, He does, He gives different gifts to people. Some people are really good in certain areas, and many times they'll try to take those things and save it for themselves. You know, maybe some, God blesses somebody with the, the ability to sing. And they're really good at it. Many times we see those people, instead of using that ability for God, they save it for themselves and they go and they go sing the stuff that will help them make money. And it's sad because you see a lot of singers that, and it seems like, end up killing themselves, end up having drug problems. Many of the singers are like that. I wonder if they would have given their talent to God. They may be singing in churches today. And you know what? Singers in churches, they don't make a lot of money. But let me tell you, they're a big blessing to a lot of people. And if you're a blessing to other people, God is going to bless you. And these dreams that you have, I'm here to tell you, God probably put them in your heart. And if you would just say, you know what? Forget about going and about getting these things my way. I'm going to just do what God wants me to do. You may find yourself a few years down the road, down the road, having all those things and so much more than you even dreamed about. That's just the way it usually works with God. But first, we have to trust Him and say, "Lord, not my will." Just like what Jesus said, "Lord, not my will, but Thine be done." Go after 
the things that God wants you to do. And if you do that, that is the way to save your life. Because He said, whosoever will lose his life for My sake shall find it or shall save it. Some of you today, you may need to come forward and say, Lord, I'm giving my life up. Lord, it's all Yours. I'm not telling anybody today to go quit your job. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to go and give away all your money. I'm not telling you to do that. But what I am telling you is just to surrender your life to God's will. And say, Lord, it's not my life anymore. Lord, it's Your life. And Lord, I want to do whatever You want me to do. And if You'll do that, I'm telling you, God's going to bless you. God will God will give you more. There may be some today, maybe you... You've still been trying, you've been hanging on to your own soul. You haven't given Christ your heart. You haven't asked Him to be your Savior. Let me tell you, if that's you, boy, don't let anything get in the way of that. There is no sin. There's no pleasure. There's no possession. There's nothing that's worth losing your soul over. If you're not saved, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart and save you. You need to repent of that sin. We talked about repentance in Sunday school. And let me tell you, if you do, the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'd like us all to stand together right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Sandra's going to come and play a verse of invitation.